Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. And I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for this week's episode, part one of Guilty or Innocent, the case of Stacey Stites. Hey, Chris. Good evening, Brandy. Good evening. Um, Chris, we are in our new space. We are in our new space. Our yes, new we recording can't officially space. Officially announce it, but yes. Yes. Um, so this is a good feeling. Absolutely. I feel like we've really worked hard, and this is kind of what happens when you work hard. I would agree with that statement. Yes. I feel really blessed right now to be here where I am in this moment. It's Ash Wednesday. We uh, ate food last night, had some bourbon, and we fell asleep. There's no wine on the show today. <laughs> yes. Dirty, we, dirty little secret. We ate so good. Um, I can't wait for you to tell everybody what you made. Well, it put me right to sleep because it was such like it's home food, you know? Comfort food. Comfort food for sure. Chris, we have a new Patreon member. We do. Valerie Rose. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you so much, Valerie, for supporting the show. Friends, if you want to help support the show, just join our Patreon. You get bonus episodes galore and, well, cool goodies too. Chris, we've been working really hard on these bonus episodes. We have been. It's almost like I feel like we've started like two new podcasts. Is that what you kind of feel like? Yeah, kind of, sort of. It's weird. It's like you have this, I have these spinoff Patreon episodes that, that I'm trying out and I'm really enjoying doing. And, um, you know, I just, I get to do what I love. I, know. I enjoy recording. <laughs> I think I would just make a bonus episodes and put them on Patreon if I had no patrons. <laughs> Interesting idea. Isn't it, isn't it kind of, yeah, like you love doing something so much you just do it and to do it. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. That's okay. kind of how I feel about what I do. All right, babe, are you ready to get into this week's case, guilty or innocent? Yes, let's dive in. All right, friends, let's sip some wine and talk some crime. As always, we want to bring you some facts about the city the crime takes place in. So let's learn a little bit about Bastrop, Texas. Okay. All right. Give me some stuff. I, I can't promise they're going to be very exciting. They're not the most exciting facts I've, I've seen, but I'll try. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Originally just a courthouse, hotel, stockade, and general store, Bastrop became a farming and timber powerhouse in the mid-19th century. Okay. So, yeah. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Small. Yeah, it's very small. Real small. Number two. Bastrop is also known as the heart of the Lost Pines. Okay. Mm -hmm. East Texas. It is. Kind of on the border, I guess, right? Austin, past Austin. Austin. Yeah, but it's still a little bit more east, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Number three. In September 2011, 95% of Bastrop State Park was destroyed by wildfire. However, the Civilian Conservation Corps buildings from the 1930s were saved. It was deemed the most destructive wildfire in Texas history. Volunteers came from across the country to help fight the blaze, Chris, which continued for several weeks. When did that happen? 2011. Okay. Yeah, it's a, nice camp. it's a nice campground. It's pretty. That's so sad. 95%? That's a lot. I mean, that's all of it. That's all of it. I don't, I don't remember okay, that. Okay, well, happened. we need to like Google it and see if it's how it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. The body of 19-year-old Stacy Stites was found around 3.15 p.m. on April 23rd, 1996. According to the autopsy and court records, she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Her body was found in bushes near a dirt road in Bastrop County. 
Rodney Reed has been convicted of her rape and murder, but is it case closed, Chris? This This, is a dirty case. This is a dirty, dirty case. And um, this case will sound familiar to some people because there's celebrities involved with um, advocating for Rodney Reed. Um, So let's sort of talk about... um, well, this year is the 26th anniversary of um, Stacy's murder. And I want to say before we jump into this that sometimes, um, Chris, I always think victims can get overlooked in situations like these because you have trials, you have public opinion, and then it starts to put suspects, right, in the forefront, which is hard for families to have to relive the experience over and over again. Right. Yes. Court of appeals, you know, and then so you've got you have multiple even though someone's convicted, there's always the appeal process. Right. So families can be dragged back into this. So we're now in 2022 and the latest update for this case is in 2021, the end of 2021. So it's not going anywhere. It's here. It's still being dealt with. And so let's kind of talk about um, we're going to kind of talk about the beginning. Okay. Um, and then we'll we'll get into the court cases and stuff um, in part two. Okay. So as I mentioned, um, Rodney Reed was charged with Stacy's murder, brought to trial, convicted, and sentenced to death. Now, this case might sound familiar. Like I mentioned, Kim Kardashian, Chris, she was a big advocate for Rodney Reed. Okay. Um, millions of people have signed petitions for him to get a new trial to be taken off death row. Um, there's ordinary people, there's celebrities, there's there's all kinds of people, but millions and millions of people have signed this petition. There's a lot of people that believe in this guy. Yeah, I don't remember this much. I know you were telling me a little bit about the whole media circus and the yep. all the celebrities, but I don't recall. Um, so the Innocence Project. I mean, are they still like kind of behind him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Innocence Project, Chris, Picked up this case, I do believe it was several years ago. I think I do believe it was 2012. So we're talking 10 years since they've had this case. And the Innocence Project vets these cases. I mean, big time. They are they are known for their for their feeling of when someone really is innocent. I mean, they really. I've read so much about the Innocence Project. I'm a bit, I I love their website. You can go there and you can kind of see what they do and, and who they help. But the fact of the matter is, you know, and I'm not saying Rodney Reed is innocent, but what I am saying is that this happens. This happens in our court system. Um, people are put in prison and on death row that that are innocent. Oh, yeah. And yes, there is a victim in this case, and she is the top priority. And when things start like this happening and doubt and people behind him trying to get a new trial, it can just make families have to deal with this over and over and over again. And so they want it done, right? But the Innocence Project picks this up. Um, Now, Rodney Reed, Chris, has been adamant since the beginning that he was not involved in her murder. Just he's not involved. Reed, uh, he ended up getting convicted, Chris, in 1998 after DNA found in Stacy's body was identified as a match to Reed's. Yes, that's kind of a little interesting. Yes, the plot thickens a the little plot bit thickens. here. Okay, now, um, 
He's I mean, not that, denying. That, that points to him, of course. Of course. He's not denying that his DNA was present. But he does claim that he and Stacy had a consensual sexual relationship the day before she died. And any proof to this? We'll talk about that. So let's go back to April 22nd, 1996, which is the day before Stacy was found murdered. Stacy was 19 years old and she was weeks away, Chris, three weeks away from marrying her fiance, Jimmy Fennell. Now, Jimmy Fennell at the time was a local law enforcement officer in Giddings, Texas, which is about a half hour drive from Giddings to Bastrop. Um, I do believe I read that the HEB was about 10 minute drive from her place, um, from their place um, to the HEB, but it was close. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's within 26, 27 miles. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, she, uh, so they're living together at the time and he is the last person basically to see her. Um, her body is found in some bushes near a dirt road behind Bastrop high school. So her fiance tells the authorities that the last time he saw Stacy was at 9 p.m. the night before when she went to bed. Okay? So he says 9 p.m. She went to go lay down. Her fiancé tells the police he wasn't sure what time she left for work since he was asleep. Now, Chris, let's talk about this, okay? She leaves typically at 3 a.m. for her 3.30 a.m. shift. Mm -hmm. You leave very in early in the morning for the hospital. Yes. I always wake up when you're doing something. You're either picking up something and I and I'm I don't consider myself a light sleeper. And you're you're picking up something or you're putting your you know, I can I can hear something you you move the bed something. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't asleep, but I I don't know. You're you live with this person. So that sounds fishy as well, too. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little suspicious of that. Just not knowing um, what time that she possibly left. Okay, but he says he was asleep. So, Chris, let's talk about. Um, okay, let's talk about the car. The car that. Um, oh, by the way, what happened at three thirty a.m. when she did not show up for her shift? Um, the HEB manager called her mother. And her mother calls the police. Okay, so it happens pretty instantly. I think by four a.m. the police had been called. Um, so the car she's driving is actually the fiance's truck. So she drives the fiance's truck to work typically. Chris, they find this truck at the nearby high school. So she's found in some bushes on the side of a road. It's kind of behind a high school and her car is found in that high school parking lot. Okay. Um, but guess what? The cops take in the vehicle and then they release it back to the fiance, Jimmy Fennell, within just a few days. Why is that? Because he's a cop? We're going to see a lot of this that maybe it was just because he was a cop. So I don't know why. We saw this. Um, you know, he is a fellow police officer. Um, but we kind of saw this in the Stacy Madison case. Remember? The Stacy, she disappeared. Um, um Stacy Madison and um, Susan Smalley. 
from Dallas from the steak and ale when their mm-hmm. car was found. Yes. They did the same thing typically. They released it back to the father, Stacy's father, very quickly and didn't comb the car. You know, back then in, in 1996, in that time, we're talking about fingerprints, right? We're not, I mean, back in 1996, DNA is not as evolved as it is now. True. So they're, they're looking for mainly fingerprints, but why not dust for that? I don't know. Okay, maybe so, they didn't and got what they needed and gave it back. I mean, uh, maybe, but again, there really just isn't record of anything ever being found. And the problem is, is that um, some Very records- small town as well, too. Yeah. And some records aren't around, basically. Okay, the zipper on Stacy's pants appeared to be broken when her body was found. Her shirt had been removed. There were clear signs of strangulation around her neck. Now, at the time, authorities determined that Stites had been beaten, sodomized. Now, this is what was in the police report in the autopsy. In beaten, sodomized, and raped before being strangled to death with her own belt sometime between 3 and 5 a.m. So there's the time of death. Mm -hmm. That's how she died. Part of the belt, um, Chris, that had been used to kill her was found near her body, and the other part of it was found by the truck. Which I have a lot of questions about. Had to get there somehow. Belts don't walk, right? Like it broke in somebody's hand, maybe? Maybe. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about the timeline here. Okay, Reed is accused of kidnapping and killing Stacy on her way to work. Now, when I talk about timeline, I'm talking about, let's say she leaves her house at 3 a.m., right? That's the typical time she would leave for work. Yes. It takes, you know, let's say 15 minutes to get to HEB where she's from. So what the prosecutors say in the Reed trial is that basically he kidnapped her, raped her, strangled her, killed her, Somehow, somehow intercepted her within her drive to work. 3 a.m., okay? Or they left with her. Or they left with her. Uh, one, um, one person I was speaking to about this case thought maybe an idea was that she was meeting someone. She was meeting up with him, possibly, so it, we don't know. I mean, I mean, the the court has said Rodney Reed has done this. I mean, this is this is where that's at. As they're saying he's guilty of this. Okay, so Rodney Reed's DNA was found in Stite's body, and since he was incarcerated on a different charge at the time, okay, so he's in jail when they um, charge him. And by the way, he wasn't necessarily a suspect in the beginning. We're going to talk about how Jimmy Fennell was on their radar at, at first um, because of a few in, in inconsistencies um, that he had to say. So um, so he was already held. He was already there. He was held and charged with Stacy's murder case closed. DNA is found by him. Okay. An African-American male. Ronnie Reed is African-American. Stacy Stites is white. Um, and she is engaged to a white police officer, and he is convicted by an all-white jury. Bastrop. Bastrop. Yeah. And here's what I want to say about that. Um, not Bastrop, but just life in general and what we see in this country in 2022. And if people don't think back in 1996, or because we deal with it today, that 
this type of thing is not an issue. It's an issue. I mean, it's an issue. There are people who just have natural bias, whether it was the way they were raised, whether, and sometimes those cycles don't get broken. So. Let's not get into that topic. I don't want to get into that topic, but I don't want to get into that topic, but this is important. I think Um, I'm for this. Um, We are going to be talking about, you know, quite a timeline in part two. So with the courts and we'll talk more about, you know, what's happening now. So as you're listening and following the story, I want you to kind of put yourself in that time because we are in 2022 and this case is still ongoing. Okay, Chris. So right now I'm talking about stuff going on in 1998. This is the year he is convicted. This is two years after Stacy is murdered. Um, So there are several things that seem to be just negligently forgotten or purposely unaddressed. So the first issue we have is that Stacy and Jimmy's place was never searched. They never searched their house. Hmm. He was a suspect at some point, you said, or just on their radar. On their radar. Okay. Um, You have a murdered female. The last known person to see her is the fiance, and you don't search the house. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. The second issue is that the belt that was used in the murder has never been tested for DNA. Requests for DNA testing of the crime scene evidence, including the belt, have been repeatedly denied by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Hmm. Even in this day and age. Yeah, because we're going to talk about a trial that he was, you know, um, a hearing in November of 2021. This day and age. So there are more than these mistakes, but I'm sticking with pretrial 1998 mistakes. So we're talking about before he's actually convicted and sentenced to death. So we still have a lot of years to talk about and the things that were happening in this case. Um, All right. So there was some highly suspicious behavior coming from Jimmy, though, after Stacy was murdered. Three months after she died, he started dating a woman that claimed he was verbally abusive. And when she tried to break it off with him, Chris, he began to stalk her. There were instances of Jimmy being the same way to Stacy. So this lady says that, and by the way, there were multiple reports of neighbors of Stacy and Jimmy's that say there was always fighting going on. They felt like there was some sort of domestic disturbance Mm -hmm. over there a lot. Um, But he ends up dating this woman after she dies. And she he follows her around, calls her names out the window, starts starts messaging and calling men that she was talking to besides him. And I'm not surprised once we kind of find out. what happened to that guy? Hmm. Okay, so a woman named Connie Lear, Chris, this is just crazy. This is who we're dealing with here. Or at least, I mean, here's the thing. we, I, Our listeners need to like know, learn about these people that we're dealing with and talking about because, you know, there's a man that could spend the rest of his life in prison and somebody's not telling the truth, right? Yeah. So I just... We should just all leave our our eyes and, you know, ears open to to what we, you know, look at the evidence and see what we think and come up with your own opinion. Okay, Connie Lear calls the police, Chris, after a domestic violence incident at her house. 
Jimmy Fennell is on duty, and now he lives in Georgetown, Texas. So now he's moved out of Giddings. He's in Georgetown as a Georgetown police officer. So he responds to this call. Okay. After arresting, so his partner arrests the guy with the domestic disturbance, yes. the man of the house. The, his, the other, his partner arrests him, takes him in. Fennel puts Connie in the back of his car, drives her to a rural area, puts a gun to her head, and rapes her. He warned her to never tell anyone or he'd come back and kill her. Chris, he's still a police officer at this time. Chris. Yes, he's in Georgetown, Texas now. Yeah. He's moved out of Giddings. This is after Stacy's murder. Chris, she ends up reporting the instant, uh, incident immediately. He drops her off at the house, at her place. She immediately reports the incident. And guess what happens next? After she makes the report, Fennel and his partner show up at her house, harass her, threaten her, arrest her for disorderly conduct, and she did what every person should do in this case, and that instead of being bullied to shut up, she kept saying it over and over again. Like, this is what happened. This is what he did to me. And finally, people listened. Chris Fennel is arrested and ends up pleading guilty to this crime and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And he got, wow. out, and he got out in 2018. And never, ever look at him, I guess, as a suspect. But this, I mean, you'd think. Well, I guess they, it's not even really a cold case because they have their man. And that's one thing about the the courts when they have a conviction. It's very hard to overturn them. It is very hard to overturn yeah, them. Because they that's a victory in their books. It is. You know. But this is the kind of person we're dealing with here. This is the kind of man she was engaged to. Maybe she got some vibes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe she had some secrets. I don't know. Maybe she was scared. All very true. Okay. So, I mean, Chris, think about this. A police officer is called out to help a woman in a domestic violence situation. And instead of doing his job, he decides to kidnap her and sexually assault her. I mean, it's just, I, I, I mean, how do you, I mean... You just rescued someone from a domestic violence situation and you literally just multiply, victimize them. Yeah, I mean, was he on duty, I guess, when he, he did was that? on or, duty? I mean, to her, I mean, initially, yes, yes, yeah, he well, he, re he responded to the call. No, I mean, before that, though, when he raped her, I mean, no, he responds to the call, kidnaps her, yes, take rapes her, brings her home, and then she reports yes, it. My apologies within like a night. I yeah. mean, he had to go back. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Reed's attorney um, was not notified that she would be representing him in his 1998 trial until eight weeks before the trial was to begin. Do you know how long lawyers prep for trials, especially of this magnitude? How long? Uh, not eight weeks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot longer than that. Um and she, she even, I, I read something that his lawyer did an interview and she basically just says that, like, she just, there are things that were left out. There were things she didn't have access to. The evidence that put Reed on death row was the DNA found inside of Stacy. Jimmy Fennell has no alibi. Um, he also failed Chris to poly polygraph tests. 
And he cleaned out his bank account on the day Stacy was killed. You wouldn't do that. Would I? People who love people don't do that. Oh, I know. I mean, that's like, it's just so surprising that all those items were going on in the background and nobody ever really pointed any fingers at him. Well, they did. I mean, being on somebody's radar. I mean, but yes. still, there's there seems like there's a, a lot of evidence against him as well, yes. too. So Fennel, not, that, not that DNA evidence, I guess. So. Well, it, it's really, okay, well, here, we're about to talk about it. So Fennel was called to testify um, in a separate hearing for Reed's case in 2017, okay? Uh, but he pleaded the fifth and didn't take the stand. So they call the fiance to come and testify for Reed's case in 2017. So... I'm sure you're asking, how are we now in 2017? So there was new evidence, Chris, in 2016. And that evidence was there was a CNN interview done with Curtis Davis. And Curtis Davis was Fennel's best friend and fellow Giddings cop. Okay. So this interview was done in the summer of 2016. And in that interview, Davis says Fennel told him a different timeline for his whereabouts on the night before states or states or excuse me, Stacy was murdered. Why did he wait so long to come forward? I wonder. At trial, Fennel testified that he was home by 8 p.m. on April 22nd, 1996, and went to bed with Stacy around 9 p.m. But Davis said Fennel told him he'd gone out drinking with other cops after their baseball practice. Davis estimates that Fennel didn't return home until 10 to 11 p.m. Why lie? I don't know. Well, you know. Maybe worried about timeline here a little bit. Why did he wait so long, though? What do you mean? To come forward with that interview. I mean, that was that, too. I mean, there's a discrepancy in your whereabouts, your alibi. Well, um. Because certainly he knew about that when the case occurred. Do police officers or really anyone, and you know, we talk about this being ethical, right? Just having that's being ethical. Just coming being forward. it is being ethical coming forward. But what about what you knew back then? What about people who knew things back then? Whether it was about Reed, whether it was about you know Fennel. Again, Reed has been convicted of this that's crime. A th- that's a heavy thing to weigh on your conscience. Which is why people do interviews and get it out. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, that's, I don't know, that's just kind of wild, too. I mean, because a lot could have been resolved a long time ago. Or at least looked at. Well, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals granted Reed a stay of execution in 2019 and sent the case back to Bastrop County for an evidentiary hearing. Now, there's been an update since then, but I don't want to talk about it in part one. I want to wait till part two because I really want to get into the court cases. Um, But he was given a stay of execution in 2019. And probably because Fennel didn't testify. And there was this interview that now puts doubt um, into whether Reed did it or not. Okay, so in part two, we will dive into the court hearings. We're going to talk about the witnesses that came forward um, and testified in um, 
2019, 2021. We're going to talk about what happened in 2021 um, and where the case now stands. We are in now 2022. Okay, as I mentioned, the Innocence Project has picked up Rodney's case. So Chris, here are some key facts about the, the case that the Innocence Project would like for people to keep in mind. The murder weapon has never been tested for DNA evidence. Request for DNA testing of the crime scene evidence, including the belt, that was the murder weapon, um, have been denied. So I mentioned that before. So that's a big problem. Why is the Texas Court of Appeals denying this request for a DNA test? Very strange. Um, for months after the murder, Jimmy Fennell, the fiance of Stacy, was the prime suspect in this case. A recording of one of the police investigators indicates that Jimmy was suspected in Stacy's murder, and he was believed to be motivated by her relationship with another man. Rodney Reed and Stacy Stites were having a consensual sexual relationship. Now, I got this from the Innocence Project, right? These are, these are um, things that I'm sharing that they wrote. So based on their investigation, their research, the reason they've st stood behind him the last 10 years, um, at the time of the trial, no one came forward to corroborate their relationship. But today, new witnesses, including Stacy's own cousin and coworker, have corroborated Rodney's claim that they knew that he and Stacy were romantically involved. Interesting. So I'm going to talk about those witnesses in part two. Two witnesses have recently come forward and submitted signed affidavits that add to the mounting evidence against Jimmy Fennell. So, the, Chris, this first one comes from an insurance um, agent who stated that Jimmy threatened to kill Stacy while applying for life insurance. It's a stressful meeting. <laughs> it is a stressful meeting. It is stressful. You, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, stressful. The second witness, Chris, was a deputy in the Lee County Sheriff's Office at the time of the murder to whom Jimmy made an alarming and incriminating statement regarding Stacy's body at her funeral. Chris, I have only listed a few key factors in this case. The Innocence Project has listed, but we have more to go in part two. Stacy was a young woman trying to make it in the world. She had a baby at 15, Chris, and decided to have an open adoption. She gave up her daughter. And, you know, at 1996, I was 18 years old. Everybody can do math and find out how old I am. Uh, what happened to her is sad, but a reminder that she is the victim. And one of these men is telling the truth and the other one is lying. Yes. Could it be so crazy to have slept with someone, had a consensual relationship? The, the DNA evidence is still there. I mean... But it is a crazy story, but it could happen. That's could ha what's so could happen crazy. happen to anybody, I guess, when you think about it. I mean, it's just... Um, and, and they basically have pointed the finger at each other. Reed has said he's responsible. He probably found out, you know, I mean, brought her out there. I mean, he was the last one to see her, you know? And we're talking about someone having to, you know... Be ready to intercept her on her way to work at three o'clock in the morning. You know, so there's just a lot of strange things um, that we're trying to make sense of here. All right, babe, we um, 
Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's part one. Well, this, I was about to start. That's it for part one. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, yeah, babe, that concludes part one. Um, so part two will be out next week. That is totally the plan. And we have another bonus episode coming out with us on the mic together um, for our some of our Patreon members at the um, – at the fun high wine club level, <laughs> wine glass level. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do this week, but we'll talk a lot in part two. Um, and yeah, make some, uh, kind of make some sense of this. And I don't know. All right, uh, babe, we did not have wine on the show with your delicious meal this time because bourbon took over. Bourbon was the drink of choice. <laughs> yes. We didn't really have any wine. That was the other sad thing. We had wine, just not wine to go with. What yeah, we, were having, we thought so. we had a bottle of something. We didn't have a bottle of something, and then we were drinking. And well, our friends should know we do drink other stuff besides wine. Certainly, they know that. <laughs> I mean, Texas whiskeys, you know, bur- I mean, send them our way because we will sip them, love them. We can pair bourbon, can't we? Compare bourbon. Yeah, babe. Let's vodka drinks. Man, drink whiskey drink. We drink some vodka. Gin drink. drinks. Not <laughs> a drink. All Any right. Kind of drinks. All right. Tell us. Not what, too many drinks. Just no, not too many. They're drinks. nice to enjoy. They are the so flavor. Nice you make the best old fashioned. Thank you. The I mean, the best. I've had a lot of old fashions in a lot of restaurants, and hands down, you make the best. Thank you very much. You put the right cherries. You put the right um, uh, cube of ice. <laughs> the round. Very important. Yes. Very important. Um, and it, what did we do before those cubes of ice? I don't know what we did, but I'm, I'm now not going without them. Right. <laughs> All right. So tell us what you made. We did eat though. We did eat. Tell me. I mean, it was a simple so meal. I made kind of a classic French onion soup, nice and hearty with uh, some little croutons, old bread <laughs> that seemed to amaze uh, the parental units that it was old bread that makes croutons. But, um, <laughs> And then we had a little spinach and bacon salad with a vinaigrette I made, balsamic vinaigrette. And then yes. we stuffed some, I don't, I mean, they were sweet peppers, but they were big and giant. I don't know. They were at the local <laughs> warehouse um, the depository where you can purchase too, mu- too much for your meal. So I had a bunch of peppers. And so we stuffed some peppers with some goat cheese and a little kind of a little blend. I a made very good cheese. description of where we were. Yes. And, uh, and some top of some bacon and a little honey. So. It's nice, kind of sweet, and it was a sweet pepper with a kind of a sweet filling. Okay, y'all, his French onion soup, homemade, cut the onions and everything, made a huge pot of it. Lots of tears were shed making that soup. (laughs) Lots of tears. And you said we stuffed the peppers. We, I didn't do anything. I ate it. And I, I want you to know, though, when I see you and how hard you work in the kitchen, I just feel like I need to jump in there and do that. But I would offer no help. Now we have room. <laughs> now we can't talk about that I either. Do, but I eat no. it. I eat it. And I tell you how much I love it every single time because I do. Well, we're still living like gypsies, but we soon are. we'll be back home. We'll be back home soon. Um, all right, friends. Well, until next time, stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. Cheers.